0: The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your mercy, for your love, for your kindness, and for your promise, Lord God. We thank you that you have uh, come and you have condescended to us. You have come down from on high uh, to be with us, to live as one of us, to die for our sins, and to rise again, so, so Lord, as we look at your resurrection and ascension and your return. We ask, God, that you would um, bless us to not just to know, but to believe that we would put our trust uh, in that promise. We ask all this for your sake and for the spread of your kingdom and the glory of your name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, let's say together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And so we have been, uh, this is our fourth week, looking at this summary of the faith, this ancient uh, summary of the faith that was used to. Catechize new believers prior to their baptism from the earliest days, not written by the apostles, but called the Apostles' Creed because it's founded on their teaching. We spent the first week looking at uh, what it means to believe in God the Father Almighty. Believe we to say believe in this sense, not just mental assent, but putting our trust in, uh, committing ourselves to. We believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, believe in God the Father Almighty. And then we, we spent three weeks, this is our third week, on Jesus. And then we'll spend two weeks on the Holy Spirit. Um, but really, we've been looking at the past, present, and now the future uh, of Jesus. That he was on high, He was eternal, He came, He was born, He just died and descended to the dead. We talked about that la- last week. So today we'll talk about Easter. On the third day, He rose again. We'll talk about Ascension, which actually is coming up this Thursday, Ascension Day. And uh, He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And then we'll talk about glory, His glorification. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Alright, so, St. Paul says we have a ministry of reconciliation. My computer and our printer are not reconciled at this point, and we are (laughs) praying for a ministry of reconciliation (laughs) between the two. Alright, so resurrection has uh, worked its way into the fabric of Christian faith from the earliest decades. That is really important to understand. This is not something that was simply uh, thought up you know, in later centuries of the Council of Nicaea or something like that. Uh, that from these very early decades, uh, they, what they're talking about is Resurrection. Right, so we're we're t- talking today about how Jesus rose again. Now you can see it's not a; they don't elaborate a lot on it uh, in the in the creed, even in the in the Nicene Creed, they don't elaborate too much uh, on the resurrection. But simply, that is the claim, and and we've said many times that is the thing that makes Christianity uh, unique, and we're going to talk about that. But I just want to, um, you know, First Corinthians is one of the very earliest. Works almost undisputed. I mean, in terms of its authorship, I mean, somebody had to make a PhD saying that Paul didn't write it. But um, but it was it was uh, it it is almost undisputed. Um, And and so uh, let me read to you what what he has said. We this is not the same passage we read at Easter. I will actually be recounting some of what we talked about um, in the Easter sermon if you heard that. But um, now this is what Paul says. He says now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So if you're saying it just, it cannot happen, then you're saying Jesus <coughs> wasn't raised from the dead. And we see that all the time today, right? I mean, just, that's I don't believe in the resurrection uh, of Jesus because I don't believe that a dead person could rise again. That's just not how how things work. That is this. Uh, You know, a a pretty typical skeptic would say that, and it just seems very rational. But Paul says, "And, "...and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised." And if Christ has not been raised, this was underlined in my Bible, and I would recommend in your Bible as well. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep, that means those who have died, in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are, of all people, most to be pitied. But in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. I Meaning He was the first one among many who will be raised from the dead. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also resurrection from the dead. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. There's the same man. He said, as in one man all men die. Well, by, as in by a man came death. He's talking about Adam. So in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, that's his coming again, which we'll talk about in a minute, those who belong to Christ. And then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. So it's it's all pinned. The whole this whole thing is not trying to get you to be a nice person. Like, do be a nice person. We want you to be a nice person. But that is not the message of Christianity. What, what, and it certainly wouldn't be unique. If, if Christi- the message of Christianity was be a nice person, then, then those who say that all religions are the same, they would be right. Because there's a lot of overlap in the moral ethics of the different religions. What makes Christianity unique, what nothing else offers or claims, is that Jesus rose from the dead. That is what makes Christianity uh, unique. You can't give that one away. Um, it is strange, I think, and I want to just put it out there. there. There's no account of anyone saying, I was stood by the tomb, and I, I heard a little rumble, and I watched the, uh, the tissue uh, revitalize. I watched the, um, the, the, the pale skin of Jesus uh, turned pink again. I saw the the beating of his heart uh, again, and and he sat up. Nobody says that. I had a friend, and I don't know if this will resonate with any of you, uh, but he's kind of a, a guy who makes a lot of cultural references. And I heard it, listened to his Easter sermon. And he said, I, if I were Jesus, I would have done a David Lee Roth style uh, jump up, do a, a you know, karate kick in the air, and land, land on stage with fireworks and said, how you like me now, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, that's that's good. I'm going to steal that. Uh, but the um, But it is amazing that there is no eyewitness to the actual resurrection. And of course, we understand that... Some Who would, would be skeptical? Uh, point to that and say, look, nobody saw it happen. How can you say it how, how can you pin the whole thing on a resurrection if nobody saw it happen? Okay, so, um, a few things that we want to address. Were they just more superstitious then? I mean, didn't, were they just more likely to believe? They just weren't as smart, weren't as advanced as we are. Um, and what does it take? What would it take to, to, to prove him? You know, it's, uh, there's several things, and I've just really sketched out a few notes, so um, if these don't feel like they're in, in order, uh, you can raise your hand and, and ask about it. But um, were they more superstitious? The answer is, in, in some ways, yes. Uh, I might say it like this. They were more religious. They had less of a veil than we do. They weren't bound by rationalism like we are. They were pre-enlightenment in that sense. However, they knew what dead was. And they knew that when you, when you buried somebody, they didn't get up from the dead. Uh, you might be able to say that the uh, fishermen weren't medical experts, and they, they therefore thought Jesus had died, but he had just fainted after all. He'd endured a terrible shock. But Roman executioners would not have made that mistake. It's just, it, it is impossible to think that. They, they looked at him, they they knew what dead was, they decided not to break his legs, which actually did fulfill scripture, but they decided not to break his legs because he was already dead. But just to be sure, so far gone was he, they po- poked him in the side with um, with the spear. They didn't really know this at the time, but the the clot and the serum had already separated, which is what happens, particularly in a violent death. And the lungs would have filled up with water, and therefore, if if his lungs were pierced, blood and water would have have come out. And so, you know, we can say blood and water point to the sacrament, but that's just what happens to a body that's gone through what his went through. He was dead. He was all the way dead. Um... It is as I mean, even e- those who have said that the cool of the uh, uh, of the tomb and maybe the the smell of the spices they anointed with uh, him with would have revived him. Now I, I it just I, I mean I'm, some of you are giggling and I, I can appreciate that. I mean I think that that is uh, again you know somebody's got to earn a PhD, but that's just not a that's not a great way to uh, to make make the argument. Uh, he was all the way dead, uh, and so then. Um, to say, were they more superstitious? They, again, they knew what dead was, uh, and no one expected a resurrection. Jesus said, I'll be killed, and on the third day I will rise again. They went to the tomb. They weren't expecting a resurrection, they didn't know exactly what he was talking about. He had said, you know, talked about the sign of Jonah, um, and yet they just didn't understand. The, the Jews who did believe in resurrection, believed in resurrection, a universal resurrection on the last day, like at the end of time. And they would not have understood a single, at all, they wouldn't have had a category for a single resurrection uh, while the rest of life went on as normal. They had no category for that. The, uh, the Gentile world, they, they, they believed in life after death, but they believed that this world was, was dirty and broken and bad, and the, the goal was to escape it and to leap to some other spiritual realm. So to have a, a, um, a bodily resurrection, that's moving in the wrong direction. right? That's, they, they don't want to come back. So there just wasn't a category for this, which is why those women went to the tomb weeping uh, and mournful and Expecting, you can say, "Who's going to roll away the stone so that we can continue to anoint his body with these spices?" They were not expecting uh, Jesus to be raised from the dead, even though he said he would, because they didn't have simply didn't have a category for it. Um, speaking of the women, they were the witnesses, and you may know this that women had no voice in that culture, and. They weren't even—they weren't allowed to testify in court. Uh, They were not to be trusted. I mean, I'm so thankful that we have moved beyond that. uh, In in, well, in most ways, we still certainly have uh, remnants. I even referred to that in in my sermon today. But the um, there must have been extraordinary pressure to put away the testimony of the women. Uh, and to say that, oh, you know, Peter saw it, or something like that. Because who would believe it? So why would they say that the women saw it first if it wasn't true? The only reason to say it is to say, we're just going to stick the facts and let God sort it out. The testimony of women is really important to making the case that Jesus was actually raised from the dead. They said it, and the disciples said, we heard it from the women... And yet, remember that the, um, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we heard from some of our women that he was uh, raised from the dead and we just don't know what to make of that. They didn't really take it that seriously. So as the Gospels were written, as the accounts were passed down uh, through the ages, they, they would have been pressured to make something else or to circumvent that part of the story. The only reason to say it is if it was true. They got there, there was a young man or maybe two young men sitting there in white an angel who said, "He's not here. He is risen." The first one that he appeared to was Mary Magdalene, who thought he was the gardener, right? And uh, and he appeared to her. So we can make a lot, and, and maybe we will sometime, about the importance of of the women and the the dignity and the and the exaltation, really, in that sense of the women, uh, in uh, in Jesus' resurrection. But that's an important piece. Uh, the Roman guards—they—they uh, they, their own life was at stake. They would have uh, been stationed there uh, by the by the tomb, or they were stationed there by the tomb in order to uh, in order to make sure that nobody stole the body, right? Because they knew that that Jesus had said he was going to rise again, or something. I don't know, but but they were stationed there. Their own life was at stake. They weren't going to let this happen, you know, but it happened. So they, they, weren't, they didn't just fall asleep. They were amazed or, or fainted or whatever it was, but their own life was at stake. Alright, so um, if Jesus then is to be resurrected and there are no witnesses to the actual rising again, you have to know that he was all the way dead. We've talked about that. There has to be an empty tomb. And they could have just said that he, something happened to the guards and they stole the body. But then you have to have somebody who, you can't just have an empty tomb. You have to have people that have seen it, right? So the empty tomb, they, if, it, if the tomb wasn't empty, and even the most skeptical scholars say that the tomb was empty, if the tomb wasn't empty, they would have just produced the skeptics or the enemies, the, the religious authorities, the Romans, they would have just said, here's the body. He's not dead. I mean, he's not alive. He's dead. We've got him right here. But they didn't have it, it was gone. So the tomb was empty. Now the question then is, did they just steal it? So in this same letter to Corinthians, in fact, even in in the same chapter, this is the Easter passage that we had this year. He said, Paul says, I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That's the testimony, and that He appeared to Cephas. That's that's uh, Peter and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Now what's Paul saying? Go ask them. Right? It was very easy during the Pax Romana to, uh, to travel around uh, in that time. He's saying there, he appeared to more than five hundred, most of them are still alive, you can just go ask if you have questions about this. Uh, he could not have made that statement. Uh, if there were, put such a public... because it was written it's as a public letter. He couldn't have made such a public challenge uh, if he didn't have credibility there. And of course, the eleven disciples, plus Paul, they all uh, saw the resurrected Christ, and they all, except for the Apostle John, were martyred. And they weren't rounded up and killed in one fell swoop. They were all over the place, all over the known world, telling people about the resurrected Jesus, and it cost them their lives. And John died, died in exile. And it is very, I mean, it's impossible for me to imagine that they would have died for a lie. If we actually, well, we actually had the body. But we, um, we didn't want people to know that. So we're going to die all over the world telling people he's resurrected? That just doesn't make any sense. So the burden of proof is not just on Christians to say, to prove that he was uh, resurrected. But it's also on those who say he wasn't resurrected. What do you do with 500 witnesses? What do you do with men who died uh, for a lie? You've got to deal with the empty tomb. You have to be able to say, okay, here's, here's what I think about those things. And a lot of people, of course, have. Now, I have uh, many times referred to my mentor, Frank Limehouse. And when he was in his uh, early to mid-30s, uh, he was a haberdasher, uh, clothes sale, men's clothes salesman, uh, in Orangeburg, South Carolina, uh, he smoked a lot of pot and played a lot of golf. Uh, he had been on the golf team at Wofford, and uh, but his his wife, his uh, uh, Jane, uh, they had a baby, and she had been a Christian, and he had really kind of pulled her away from the church. He was an atheist, essentially an agnostic, maybe, and um, and he just didn't didn't have any interest at all, but. When they had a baby uh Frank jr they wanted uh she wanted to have him baptized and frank said, oh no we're not, i don't want to mess with, i don't want to mess with all that you know stuff and 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 finally uh she said well i'm going to i'm gonna go find a place for him to be baptized said, well you know if you want to do that that's that's fine and um and she said I, i've gone to the episcopal church and uh Reverend Snow would like to meet with you. He said, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And uh, and she's, she, you know, Jane is not one to, to to say things she doesn't mean. And she said, listen, I have given and given and given, and you've taken me away from the church, and I want one thing, and you won't do it. And if, the, if your answer is no, then I'm not going to be at home when you come home today. And... I don't know if she meant she was gonna divorce him, or he he never asked because he knew she was serious, and he said, "Okay, uh, I'll I'll set it up." Well, he was delighted to hear that uh, Reverend Snow suggested that they play around the golf because he was gonna wear this priest out. You know, he just he knew we weren't going we were to play the ball as it lies. We weren't going to turn it over. We were not, we not going to take mulligans. We were going to play it by the rules. He was going to wear him out. Little did he know that Reverend Snow was the uh, clergy golf champion of North and South Carolina. <laughs> and as, as Frank tells the story, they were all square on the ninth green. And Frank was visibly uh, frustrated and upset. And Reverend Snow turns to him, Bill Snow, turns to him and says, Frank Limehouse, what is your problem? Is it the resurrection? (laughs) Frank didn't know what to say. And Frank said they finished the round, but he doesn't remember who won. Um, and, um, (laughs) And that question... What is your problem? Is it the resurrection? Haunted him. Gnawed at him. He describes it like an earworm, you know, like the, the song that just won't get out of your head that plays over and over and over again. And six months later, he bursts into Bill Snow's office and said, Six months ago on the ninth green, you asked me what was my problem was the, the resurrection. He said, I don't, I don't remember asking you that, but it's a good question. <laughs> you don't remember. This is the only thing I can think about for six months. He said, of course my problem is the resurrection. If that happened, then it changes everything. And Mr. Snow looked at him and said, well, then you better figure out if it happened. Of course, the rest is history. Frank was the dean of the cathedral. So, he looked at the evidence. And now, for me, you know, I've I've said several times before, I came to... uh, I came to faith because I knew that Jesus accepted me. That was, that was, a, um, uh, that was where it, the, His story, the story of Christ, uh, intersected with my life. I, knew, I wanted acceptance. and To me, there's just something a little sexier about just looking at the facts and being converted by something you know, as rational. Did it happen or did it not happen? If it did, then that requires my life. Nevertheless, I, this is my story. So uh, it's not, not not that sexy. But So I don't know where it inter- intersects with your life. But what I do know is that if the resurrection didn't happen, it doesn't matter. Because you're, if the resurrection didn't happen, then our faith is futile, and you're still in your sins, and that we are of all people most to be pitied. Because the very foundation of the church was a call not to... Uh, put your faith in the fact that Jesus died for your sins, but to believe in the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead. And in fact, we are here today because of that very claim. Now, of course, Jesus did die for your sins. That's what the resurrection validated. And, it, and again, we said last week, it had, to, it had to be Him incarnate. from the Christmas story. They're, all, they're all worked together. You have to have the Christmas story. You have to have the crucifixion. You have to have uh, the resurrection. In fact, the New Testament completely crumbles without the resurrection. Because every word of the New Testament was written on the basis of a resurrected Savior. They would not have written the Gospels for a teacher who promised to be resurrected and yet wasn't. Right? Whose story ended when he was crucified. Now, that's Jesus Christ's superstar, right? Right? It ends with the crucifixion. But it is unlikely uh, that he would have had a Broadway show made about him simply because he died. It was because they proclaimed resurrection. He would have faded into the milieu of... Is that how you say that? milieu of uh, of other teachers who died. Lots of people. but the Gospels wouldn't have been written if he hadn't, if they didn't believe with every ounce of their being that He had been resurrected. The Epistles wouldn't have been written without a resurrected Savior because the world didn't need another religion or another moral code. Paul couldn't have walked into Athens and said, People of Athens, I see that you are very religious and I stand before you today to proclaim that you should all be nice people. <laughs> but that this God whom you have remember that story. Uh, he's standing in the area of Areopagus in, in, uh, in the market in, in um, Athens and says that you are very religious. You have a temple to the unknown God and I'm telling you who that God is. He made us. He died. He rose again. The Old Testament is left unfulfilled without a resurrected Savior. And the most recent Old Testament readings would now be 2,400 years old. Sitting there waiting. We have a Savior. So, the resurrection is pretty important. Any questions? Seriously, any questions? I'd love for you to push back, ask questions, clarify. Come on. Okay, this is not directly related to what you're, what you're saying right now. But at the beginning, yes. You spoke about uh, when Jesus was pumped side. Yes. And water came out. Did you not say that? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Um, you know, some friends and I. Why do we put water in the the uh, sacrament? No. Why do we put water in the sacrament? Yes, let, let me just answer that question real quick. Is that is that the end of the question? I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, the The water represents our sin, uh, and so it fades away in the wine. Oh, I thought it was related to the well, it is. It is. It is. It is related to the water and the wine. But but that's how I understand it. It represents our sin. Now I'm, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna find where I'm wrong about that, uh, but <laughs> that's how I think of it anyway. Now, of course, you put a whole bunch of water in there, and it's it's not gonna fade away. It's just water down the wine. But um, but but if you, if, yeah, I just put a drop in this, and and, it, and it, that's why, because it, it fades away oh, okay. in the blood. So oh, okay. all right, the ascension. He rose again and ascended into heaven. So this Thursday marks uh, 40 days after Easter. Uh, we're actually going to have this Mother's Day, uh, Sunday after Ascension. We're going to do the Ascension Day readings. Uh, Jesus defeated death. He rose again. Why didn't you just stick around? He's not going to die. He's not going to get wrinkles. He, he's, he's alive forevermore. Why didn't he just stick around? He said He going to prepare a place for us. Pardon me? He said He was going to prepare a place for us. Okay, He's going to prepare a place for us. That's, that's great. What did you say? He's coming back. He couldn't come back if he didn't leave, right? So, uh, okay, well, that's that's good. But why didn't he just stick around? Yep. Yeah. He said he was sending us the Holy Spirit. He said he was sending the Holy Spirit, but he was sending the Holy Spirit because he was leaving. That's right. To fulfill the prophecy. So I, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about the ascension. Um, it is. It is a very important. And totally forgotten, right? I mean, you never, you've never gotten a card that says Happy Ascension Day. I mean, um, and, and yet, here, here's what I, the way I understand it. If Jesus was, if he, only, if he was human, He was resurrected, but He was human, and if He was to stick around, if you wanted to see Jesus, then you'd have to go to Him. Uh, and there's billions of us that want to go to Him, Right? So by, by letting go, He actually gave all of us access because He sent the Holy Spirit. Like, so, and I'm sure I'll use it next week. Pray for me. Maybe I'll come up with another illustration. But um, So you think of a bottle rocket, right? And a bottle rocket's right there. And if you want to see the bottle rocket, you've got to go right there. It's only when you, it goes up in the air and explodes across the sky that the beauty of it is uh, available for all to enjoy. Right, and so that is that is as close an approximation uh, as I can get, to, as I have gotten in my own feeble mind, to the ascension. That, but if we all wanted to see Jesus, we would have to wait in line for years, right? And um, and then and, and and then yet, if we want to go to Jesus and we want to have access to Jesus, uh, He has given us that because of the Holy Spirit, He's available to us. He lives in us. He dwells with us. That's what the whole Pentecost is—the coming of the Holy Spirit. And uh, and his his beauty is available for all, because he has ascended. Does that make sense? Is that is that are you? What are the what are any problems with that? Any any holes in that? In terms of, uh, I mean, I know as well as you do that people don't just float up into the sky. And I think that Jesus is floating up into the sky it didn't mean he just kept going and kept going and kept going until he finally reached heaven. Like I don't think geographically it's above us. I think it's more like dimensionally it's other. I, I don't, um, I don't know. I, I, there's the story of the cosmonaut who went up into space uh, from Russia and said, "We didn't see God, therefore there isn't there isn't one." I mean, I don't. You you didn't go to the right place, buddy. I mean, like I don't think. But but he rose because because it is it is um, in terms of our being and our ontology, it is it is above us. Uh, when he's descended to the dead it's, it doesn't mean hell is in the center of the earth and the caverns and the fire and all that. it's other separate from God all right so he he ascended he's seated at the right hand of the father now I don't you know maybe we'll get to heaven we'll see a, a great big throne and a smaller little bitty throne uh, for a human to sit on but um, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But Ephesians one twenty, actually I'll read a little bit ahead of that. General Electric Power Company. Ephesians <laughs> 1.20 says this. He's praying for the Ephesians that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what are the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe... Comma, he's talking about the, the greatness of the, the power, the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Paul's not saying. Paul's point is that that same power works in you. But he's taking for granted that it's that power that raised Christ ascended Christ and has seated him at the right hand of God. So is the right a, a place of honor? There is the right a place of honor? It's so also a place of utility, right? He's got he, he's my right hand man. I mean, I'm sure that that phrase "right hand man" comes from this, not the other way around. But um, so let me let me read uh, Hebrews chapter one. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So, Scripture says that he, that's why we say this, he is seated at the right hand of God because Scripture tells us that. Now, does that mean you won't get to go see Jesus if you don't go into the throne room of God? I'll tell you, I don't know how that's going to work. It's going to be better than you and I can imagine, I can promise you that. But I'm not sure how that's going to work. Nevertheless, he is seated. Now, what's he doing there? He's, he's sitting. He's just you know letting people got banana leaves and peeled grapes. What is he doing there? Romans 8:34. This is in the passage. It talks about who shall separate us. This is in the very next verse. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ? Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You know, when we say also from 1 John, and especially in the right one service, if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Right? He's our advocate. He's interceding for us. He's in the Father's ear praying for us. I mean, that is, that is an extraordinary thought. Jesus interceding, uh, he's our advocate, and then he will come again. He's going to come again to judge the living and the dead. This is the promise of the angel in the uh, the ascension account in Acts chapter one. Why are you staring there? He's going to, you're going to see him coming back just the way you saw him. Now what? I mean, how does that? What's that look like? I, I mean, is CNN going to have it? Are we all going to see it? I don't I don't know um, what that's going to be like. Is he just gonna descend? Um, is he gonna appear? He is he gonna? I don't. I don't. I'm gonna tell you. I believe it's gonna happen. I just don't. I can't describe it other than what the Bible says is that Jesus is coming back. He will come in power on the clouds. You know, lo, he comes on clouds descending. One of my very favorite hymns, Advent one. We always sing that. And the death. Mm, that's mm. well. Look at the time. No, um.
1: <laughs> so he's not
0: coming as an atoning sacrifice. He's already been that. He's coming as a judge, and as a king. Anybody who's alive we'll be will be judged. Separated sheep's and the goats. Right? I'm with Jesus, or I'm not with Jesus. What about the dead? It's a little con- it's a, it's a little complicated, a little controversial. Why is it that because aren't they with heaven? Are they in the heaven? That they were living, or is, I that they went to heaven and we have been the to God that why are they being judged again? It's a good question, maybe. Okay. No, no, no. I'm going to say, and I hope it is a comfort to you. I'm going to tell you what I really think. And I'm not going to turn off the recorder, so it's going to be on the internet for anybody to see. But when you close your eyes in death, your very next conscious thought, I mean, you're out of time and space. And you wake up with heaven. Wake up in heaven you're with Christ. I don't find any problem saying like we we buried Althea Hall yesterday and we said um, well she's not buried but she's, we gave her to the Lord and we said she's with God now. She is alive. She's vibrant. She, I, I have no problem saying that. She's outside of time and space. It is not 2018 in heaven. Right? And so um and so she's with God in a in a in a, tempor, a non temporal way. She's outside. Of, so w- the only way to say he's come to judge the quick and the dead is to say the dead haven't been judged yet. I, I recognize that that's a, pro- and that's a problem. I mean, he says Jesus says to the people on the cross, "Today you will be with me in paradise." Yeah. And yet, it seems as if I mean the, to. At least in the Old Testament, I mean, they, the dead go down to Sheol and they wait there for resurrection. Right? There is not a conscious, uh, a moment of unconsciousness, for the for the soul. <laughs> now, whether they go right then and right now, they're looking down on us in heaven, or whether they are just dead and gone, but they will not know any pain, no, no separation, no nothing until the resur- last day of the resurrection, in which we're all judged, living and dead. Again, that's we got to hold all these things sort of in tension. I don't really know exactly what it looks like. Uh, it is The reason I think it's a comfort is to say that there is not a moment of their, that their soul is apart from God. And it is to say that the departed have gone to be with Christ. I just don't think it's 2018 in heaven. Jesus is a human. He's resurrected, alive forevermore. Now, you, now, if you say, well, I don't think I know how I feel about that, Joe. I just like to think that they're, they're with, up there in heaven and they're, they're playing gin rummy with their friends or whatever it is that you want to think about. i got no problem with that. I'm not here to say that they're not. I'm just saying I don't think it work, time works that way. And I think that's why he's coming to judge the quick and the dead. So. Well, I've I never thought about considering time in yeah. 2018. Yeah. I just think, is the dead going as we may feel because they love Christ and, and they going on just going on to heaven and I just and what is heaven you know but well I have no problem with that yeah I mean they are with Christ they are with Christ but I, I just when they just said that he'd come again to judge the living and the dead are or, or the dead not been judged or are they I mean, I know. they are they just the courtroom is not on this continuum <laughs> and so I think we'll all be there together in that judgment. I mean, look at C.S. Lewis. If you look at the last battle in C.S. Lewis, and I've got to go. The, the very end, Aslan stands before the door and they come in in the thousands. And it's the living and the dead. And the some come in the door and some go out. And, they, and C.S. Lewis says, we don't know what happened to them. And... He says, and then after about five minutes, or maybe it was five million years—I'm not sure. So the judgment happened. I, I don't—I don't know what it looks like. I know that this sounds confusing; it probably does. Are you saying I don't believe in heaven, or I think it is—it is going to be more wonderful than we can imagine when we figure out how how it is? Because uh, what we can surely say about your loved ones is they have not experienced the cruelty of God. Uh, they have exp- or the judgment of God, because they have experienced the the compassion of Christ in life and in death. So, What if they're talking about the people who died before Jesus came? They are covered by the blood of Christ too. I know they are, but maybe that's the dead that they're judging. Well, yeah, possibly. And then you go to those who haven't experienced Christ. That's another story. Yeah, exactly. They will. They will. Go in peace. i got to go to church. Love you. <laughs>